John. It's just Gary and me today. I don't know, Gary but... and I. Sorry, that was really bad English. <laughs> we should. I told uh, somebody out in the lobby we should put a cardboard cutout of John. Right, right, yeah. right here in the chair. <laughs> so, John, when you listen to this next week and you're back from your vacation, know that we wanted to put a cardboard cutout of you that's, asking us questions. That's, we could call that COVID, John. <laughs> COVID, John. When, yeah, when we used to do all the cardboard cutouts everywhere because we couldn't oh, go anywhere. Oh, that's right, in the baseball stadiums. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, if you wanted ridiculous. to go somewhere, you had to put your cardboard cutout <laughs> and pay for it. <laughs> Buy a ticket. Yes. Oh, man. Talk about sterile. Gosh. Yeah. We did that, though. So we're going to discuss the fun things that happened maybe here in in, uh, mm. in Franklin, Tennessee over not, the weekend. So you're, I hear your sarcasm, Gary. Mm-hmm. Fun. fun. Not fun. Fun to some people. Not fun to many. And I we think. have to deal with this. That's the thing, right? The people that bring these challenges upon us usually are paid in their positions. Everybody else who thinks like us have to leave their day jobs and take time from their families in order to fight the wickedness, to fight the rebellion, to fight the lawlessness that happens even in our own community. So maybe that's a good place for you to let our audience know what it is. Of course, by the time this airs, they'll probably know exactly what we're talking about. But what's been going on in Franklin, Gary? Well, you know, of course, we're in Pride Month, right? And uh, so we're in Pride Month, so we have to have a a Franklin Pride event, you know, here in Williamson County. And that happened on Saturday, June 4th at Harlansdale Farm uh, here in Franklin, Tennessee. And, you know, here's the thing. Which is a public farm. Or or the permit was for a public event. Yes. Well, and it is public property. I believe the city of Franklin bought that farm in 04. So it's a, it's literally a public park. Hmm. Yeah. So there's there's two there's two problems here. I'll tell you what happened and then there's two issues. One is the cultural issue at large that that we continue to deal with uh, with the fact that like you were saying, you know, everyone needs to care about everyone's sexuality now. Like that's 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 forced upon us constantly. The other thing, though, is that is the law. The fact that we we broke the law, and again, no one seems to care. So we had this pride event, you know, and it's and it's in a park, and it's everything you can imagine, right? There's spot big corporate sponsors. There's a big stage. There's a bunch of vendors. There's rainbows everywhere, and it's it was billed as a uh, family friendly event, right? So bring your family, and we're going to talk about all of the LGBT issues. Well, two things happen on stage. One, uh, the city of Franklin issued a proclamation naming the day Franklin Pride Day, and that was uh, that proclamation was made by Alderman Brandy Blanton on behalf per her words, on behalf of Mayor Ken Moore. And I'll get to that in a minute. But the other thing that happened that this is what I found uh, appalling is there was actually a drag queen performance on the main stage in the middle of the day. It's not ticketed. It's not private. It's open to the public. It was advertised for families to be there. And here's the drag queen. And we have the video clip of the drag queen dance and the whole thing. And, and he gets off the stage at the end and there's a moment where there's a a little girl she doesn't look more than 10 11 years old maybe i'm assuming sitting next to her mom Mm -hmm. and she holds up a dollar bill like you would give a dollar to a stripper and gives the drag queen a dollar bill you know and it's i'm looking at this and i'm thinking are we is this really what we're doing 
Which, here in the middle of Franklin? The first thing I thought when I saw that, because Gary showed it to me right before we started recording, and I thought, well, that child doesn't know what he or she... Was it a girl? I couldn't tell it's a girl, back. a little girl, yeah. What she was doing. Well, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming it's a Obviously, girl. an adult gave her that dollar and told her what to do. Some adult. Now, was it the child's parent, which would be... Yeah, we don't know. Very discouraging. Or were the event promoters going around and saying, hey, will you have your children participate in this, and somebody thought it was funny. It was grotesque. Yeah, and uh, so all these things are happening, of course, and again, I'll, I'll get to this statement in this proclamation in a minute, but I'm thinking to myself, this we have laws against this, right? Like, we have laws against, you know, anything being lewd or obscene in public, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you think about protecting minors, and, of course, you look into it, and yes, in Title Seven and in Title 39 in our criminal code, this is against the law. Literally, in Title Seven, when you look at adult establishments, this actual performance is legally defined as an adult cabaret. The definition for, for adult cabaret actually includes uh, male and female impersonations, you know, in this mm-hmm. type of just, you know, sexual type dance thing. Um so you, it's legally defined as an adult cabaret, and then later on you find that an adult cabaret needs to be permitted to an adult establishment, which didn't exist. Not only that, um, that cannot take place within a thousand feet of a public park. Well, it's happening in, in a the public middle, park. In the middle of the public park. <laughs> I'm like, so we just we just don't care about the law anymore. And you go further into Title 39, this has these activities carry criminal penalty. If any business, which which would I would assume means any corporate entity that sponsored the event, Hardy's, Tractor Supply, Vanderbilt Health, these were the Williamson homepage, all of these corporate yeah. sponsors that sponsored this event, criminal code actually says any business associated with putting on any type of uh, handing out obscene material, including any live performances, could face a, a monetary criminal penalty of minimum ten thousand dollars and up to fifty thousand dollars per occurrence. Who, at this point, we're waiting on advice from counsel. Yeah, to see what can be done. Yeah, because, how can we hold these people accountable? Because I, I would be interested to know who. Well, on the civil side, is there a civil action? Um. That's and if question. so, who could be who could be the plaintiff? But on the criminal side, clearly bringing this to a local prosecutor yeah, or a DA, DA um, and can we find a prosecutor who's not going to kowtow to the city government? Can we, Kevin? I don't know. Do we have that in Williamson County? Does that exist? Or are they just like our legislators? There were a, yeah, <laughs> I don't know now. Sure. I, I've I've lost track. Back in twenty 11, 12, 13, when I was chairman of the Williamson County Republican Party, we did have a couple of good prosecutors, but I don't know whether we still do or not. But that's that's going to be key because everybody's everybody's connected. Everybody's involved. You've got the whole city now, and I, I hope that that wasn't their plan, that they were so nefarious as to presume that if they got everybody in the city involved, nobody would hold them accountable. Uh, who's going to be the – who's going to file a criminal complaint? It's serious business, but I think we should probably let the audience, to anybody who is new to it and hasn't gotten wind of this, although as of today, and we're a week or six days prior to when this will air, 
a lot of people are up in arms about it, which is good, yeah. and they know. But we should probably can you read the read the news about it or read the read the um, proclamation made by the mayor, and then what was his follow up? Well, well I, I don't I don't have that with me like in print to read actually their proclamation i could not find anywhere in print we have the video of it being spoken uh but essentially it was pretty simple you know we 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 basically affirm that you know we're going to protect the lgbtq community here in franklin from discrimination we we need to educate the public we need to you know continue putting on these types of efforts so that the public is continually educating and of course officially named the day Franklin Pride Day, you know, all the things. But one of the statements in there that I found most interesting, and I just love to talk about that for a moment, see what you think, is yeah. one of the whereas clauses. So so, you know, when you when you make a proclamation, you have a resolution, but there's all these whereas clauses, right, that basically define why you are making right. said proclamation. As we call them in the legal profession, recitals. Yeah. Okay, good. There yeah. you go. So so one of the recitals <clears throat> was that we recognize that our nation was founded on the principle that every individual has infinite dignity and worth. And I I had to sit with that statement for a minute because it's one of those things that we face in culture today. It's a wordsmithing, yeah. and it sounds really good, like— yeah, I do think people have worth. Like, yes, and I, I do think I should treat people with dignity. And yes, our our constitution does protect people and the rights of people. Yes, like those things are true. But but the statement we recognize that our nation was founded on the principle that every individual has infinite dignity and worth. N- number one, I have two questions: Was our nation founded on that principle? And number two. Does a human being actually have infinite dignity and worth? I, I'm not sure. Well, I, it is, as you pointed out, the statement was wordsmithed very carefully to make it sound good, right? What do we know from Scripture? The chief characteristic of Satan is that he's subtle. They're not going to come out and say something that is so obviously wrong because everybody would object to it. So what what liars always do is try to make their lies sound as close to the truth as they possibly can, and therein lies the deception. So those particular words don't exist in our founding documents. They are trying to borrow, right? How does the Declaration, which is our the philosophical document outlining America um, and the idea of America, which is when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands that have connected them to another and to assume among the powers of the earth a separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Okay, then it goes right to this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So if I stop right there, you can clearly see that what and, they're trying— Ke- And Kevin's not reading this, by the way, y'all. This is, this is just all—this <laughs> is just coming out of the fountain of Kevin's soul. <laughs> one, one day we'll do a 10-minute— a <laughs> I can say that in 10 minutes. That's great. Um, now you got me off track, Gary. I'm sorry. <laughs> I so, just... clearly, they're trying to borrow 
Yes. From the idea of our founding without quoting the document, which is interesting in and of itself because these are the same people that hate our founding. They hate the Declaration. They hate the Constitution. They're constantly trying to undermine it and to ignore it. And yet they're trying to use phraseology, which sounds similar. Now, what is missing when a person says, by the way, I do believe we have infinite value. It's not necessarily in our founding documents, but we are created by God as eternal beings. And a person's, as Christians, the Bible tells us, and we believe very firmly that all souls, all people will live eternally. The question is, will they live eternally with Christ or apart from Christ? So there is infinite value in that sense, but we're not infinite like God's, right? We haven't existed from the beginning of time and, and will exist always. We're not eternal in nature like God is. We're created beings. So in that sense, we're not infinite. But I, the, the point we must focus on is who defines this value or worth? Mm. Is it God who defines it according to the scriptures, which, is, which was the genesis for our founding documents? Or is it man identifying himself? When you make it man identifying himself, then you come up with all of these confusing gender fluidity. I'm a, I'm a man describing myself as a woman. I'm a woman who feels like a man. I'm transgender. I'm gay. I'm bi. I'm queer. You name it. You go down the whole list. The whole thing falls apart because man presumes himself to be the, the measure of all things. And that is absolutely contrary to our founding and our beliefs. Our founders all knew that our rights, our liberties come from God, and that the whole structure is rooted in the created order. But that statement is very deceptive for the reasons we talked about. Um, but I, if you ask them who defines, they would tell you, we define, meaning ourselves. Well, once you make that the standard, there is no standard, because I can say something the opposite, which offends them, and what are they going to do? Oh, well, I, I always get into this... <laughs> discrimination. They, you know, you see, the, I went into Starbucks this week in Franklin and basically had to close my eyes while I'm getting my coffee. And um, I think I went to the bathroom too. So I, I had to be there, like went to the bathroom, got my coffee. But all across the front of Starbucks counter, you know, rainbow. And it said, we welcome everyone. And I, with everything in me, I had to hold back because I just wanted to say, do you welcome someone who objects to that very mm, belief? Mm -hmm. Do you welcome someone who believes that you will be held accountable to God for your rebellion. I probably would have been ushered out of the store, right. at least by the manager, maybe not by the employee. Yeah, you, they welcome everyone that they agree with. Yeah. That's what they mean. You, you hit the nail on the head. That's how that statement struck me. When she read, we believe that our nation was founded on the principle that every individual has infinite dignity and worth. The way that hit me was humanism. Yep, and I know that's the way they as meant it as defined by man. Yeah. yeah, they they meant that. Well, we ascribe our worth, mm -hmm. and and we, and we can that can mean whatever we want it to yep. mean. But as you were reciting the Declaration, our founders, yeah, they talk about liberty and rights, but endowed by our Creator. Right, that was first. We recognize that the only reason we have these things is not because we're human; it's because they're from God. And so I. I sort of rephrased that. I, By the way, before you go there, there's one yeah. more comment I have about it. And once you establish this difference in the way that we value 
a person's worth, in other words, created by God, and yes, has eternal value and worth far beyond we can, what we can ask or imagine. The Bible then also has other things to say about the things they're doing. So everything that they're doing is like Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did God do to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? The Bible's very clear about homosexuality, about men exchanging their love for women in, in favor of lust for men and women doing the same thing. So not only is our founding rooted in the created order, but that created order is rooted in the scriptures, which are very clear about what they're doing. So they're, despite all their wordsmithing, there's no way that what they believe is what we believe, and that's where we have to attack it at the heart of uh, the core of what they believe and not get lost in the superficial wordsmithing. Yeah, so I made a proclamation this week and had the fortune of being able to read it in downtown Franklin over a loudspeaker. And, you know, one of in one of my recitals, I, I say this. By the way, I don't think Gary needs yeah. a loudspeaker. He's got <laughs> such a strong voice on his own. And but, I was there and I could hear it at the other side of the field. But I still like one. So uh, it says, whereas we recognize that human dignity is found only by the grace of God in that he created us, breathed life into us. And by his sovereign will, numbers our days for his good and just purposes. So, yeah, we have dignity and worth, but it's under the auspices that it, it comes from him, you right. know. And he and anyway, uh, so I, I just have a great deal of issues with a proclamation being read over our city that cancels God, Kevin, essentially, is how I felt about it. And credit, we, we canceled God. Yeah, and credited to the mayor, right? Yeah. She made it very clear that this was a yeah. proclamation of the mayor who, was he hiding and wanted someone to deliver it? Could he not make it? Was he trying to have it both ways, right? To issue a proclamation, but to not be there so he could have plausible deniability. What did the mayor do since the uproar? Have you heard? Yeah, well, the only thing I've heard is that he has emailed some folks back who have complained, and his statement was that he is appalled at what happened. He, he didn't know the drag show was going to happen, right? So... The only thing we know currently is that the mayor is appalled. Do you believe him, Gary, that he didn't know a drag show was going to happen? <clears throat> it's plausible. Maybe. You know, he, he could—the mayor himself could have been disconnected from the specifics of the event. But Gary, <laughs> yeah, well, no, doesn't I, the mayor have a duty to he, know these things? He does. Well, it, he does. It, so the mayor loses either way. Either the mayor really knew and he was he's lying— or the mayor didn't know, and that which means he's well, a totally irresponsible, pathetic leader of a mayor. Let me say this. I'll, I will say this. If I were mayor and I was going to put my name on a city proclamation, mm -hmm. I would have known what's going to happen in that event. Exactly. Uh, so is he excused from that? No. But again, you know, and I'm being you know, championed by some and, and by many, I'm now a hateful bigot, you know, and, and the, the thing I've, I've told people is, look, I, I don't care. Is it, I don't care if you're gay. I don't care. Go be gay. All of this discrimination nonsense that we're dealing with, please show me a law. And that's, the, that's, that's the, again, we have these wordsmithing battles because you're, you're made to believe just because someone says something, it's true. Show me the law on the books that says you can't be gay. Mm -hmm. This is the problem that all, I have with yep. all of this. It's always been a straw man. Right? <laughs> There's, there is no, I'm not keeping you from being gay. No one's keeping you from being gay. The truth is, 
I could care less if you're gay. My point in all of this is I don't want to care that you're gay. Stop making me care. Do you remember a few years ago, Eric Erickson had a book that came out called You Will Be Made to Care? Mm. And it was this very issue. He exposed the fact that whether it was the alphabet people, whether it was women's rights, whether whatever the issue was, the left abortion rights, his point was they pretend and they've pretended for decades that all they wanted was equality. But once they got into power, that was never enough. Once they were now given that platform, they will not quit until everyone believes them, agrees with them, and in some instances, practices what they practice. It is, it is an amazing parallel to what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, where they, they wanted the people to participate in their rebellion, in their revelry. That was always the objective. They just hid it behind this, oh, we just want equality. No, they don't. They want you, Gary, to believe what they, they want you to affirm. They want servitude. Yeah. And they want you to do what they believe is true. They want you to believe what they believe is true. And it so bothers them that this is why they become very violent. It's why they become uh, very aggressive. And it's, it's why it's even more appalling that the mayor couldn't have known. He couldn't put, even if we give him the the benefit of the doubt that he didn't know, he should have known, and any intelligent man with a with an ounce of morality would have connected two and two and gotten four. And it sounds like he wasn't even going to connect two and two. And so the 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 larger issue is, well, Gary, Kevin, why do you have so much of a why do you have a problem with this? Why can't people just why are you mad about this? Why can't people just go out in the park and do gay things? Well, and and of course I, I bring the I get ridiculed for bringing children into this. Well, children and how we teach generations has everything to do with this. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, it's crazy when you look to Bill Maher um, to be the man of reason. Yeah. And so recently, Bill Maher, uh, looking at Pride Month, uh, looked at, and I can't remember what group put out this statistic, but it's, it's going around. Bill Maher referenced it, and he's getting canceled for it. You look at the percentage of a generation that is calculated to now affirm themselves as gay, bisexual, trans, you know, whatever. Well, back in the World World War II generation, that would have been about one point some odd percent. You go to the boomers, it doubles to two point something percent. You go to Gen X, um, it doubles to four point something percent. You go to millennials, it doubles to over just over 10%. You go to Gen Y, you go to where we are now, and the statistic is that 20% of this generation it somehow identifies themselves in the gender fluidity world as, you know, non-binary, trans, gay, bisexual, whatever it is. So you look at these five generations and we've gone from 1% to 20%. And you ask yourself, is it that the community has been so discriminated against that everyone has just been scared to say they're gay? And really that 20% of humanity is actually gay? Or is it that we have allowed an agenda to push itself culturally on generation after generation after generation. And could it be that 
as we've done throughout since the beginning of time, humans respond to what we are taught in our environment. Mm-hmm. And if we are taught evil, we will do evil, which you you referenced Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the there's biblical examples of entire cultures being decimated because of their evil. And right. that evil came through exactly the types of things we're doing right now. So let me give you anecdotal evidence <clears throat> of why the latter I believe to be true, which is people are being conditioned to like things that are bad. I have a friend who drives a school bus for the Williamson County Schools, and he told me of an occasion recently where a parent stopped him while dropping off one of her children, I think it was seventh grade, and and asked the bus driver, knowing that the bus driver was moral and upheld the view of the world that we do, and she was pleading with him to protect her daughter because her daughter's friend was gay or bi or lesbian and trying to persuade her daughter to be like it. And her daughter was asking questions that she had never asked before. So the mother felt, I'm losing my child. Now, my response would be, I'm never putting my child on that bus again. And of course, I'm a homeschooler. I never would put him on the bus in the first place. But at that moment, you can see the conditioning. It wasn't as if this other seventh grader, if it was seventh grade, it was junior high, I think. It wasn't as if this other seventh grader came by it naturally and was talking about it either. What were her influences? But that's right here in Williamson County. And Williamson County Schools, we've talked about the pornography in the libraries and the obscenity and how our legislators are unable to seem to get themselves behind any meaningful legislation to to stop this, it's connected. What's happening in Franklin is connected with what's happening in Williamson County schools. And so that, you know, that, that sort of takes me back to what I said earlier about this isn't just an issue of culture. This is an issue of the law. So if we know that we acknowledge that the law teaches, we acknowledge that what we allow to happen around us teaches uh, generations, this is why we have law. We, we have law. We've recognized that we need to stop these kinds of activities in public so that we can preserve what is good and mm-hmm. right in society. And so we have laws that say you can't do these kinds of things in public. Right. So my, where I sit today is I, I'm just – I need to hear more from Mayor Ken Moore than I'm appalled. I – and I, did he say appalled at what, or did he try to Bill Clinton it and make it look like he's saying something and didn't really say anything? To, to my knowledge, that's all he said was, I'm uh. appalled. So uh, appalled at what? Yeah. I'm assuming the drag queen show, but that's not what he said. So he just said, I'm appalled. So I think he is sort of Clintoning this thing. Uh, yeah. But what I need to hear is more than I'm appalled. I need to hear, is, is somebody going to um, you know, retract the proclamation, retract their support of this event? Uh, is anyone actually going to be held accountable to the law? Are any of these businesses that sponsored this event going to be held accountable to the to the criminal penalty that exists? Because, look, people in the state of Tennessee have worked with their legislators to make these laws, and we've all agreed to these laws, and we've passed these laws, and these laws have been signed by governors and put into law to prevent this. And what what's the point of any— Hell, I should just quit. Let's cancel the podcast. Let's cancel Tennessee stands because what's the point of going to the legislature 
and trying to get laws passed. If they're not going to be enforced. Nobody cares. Yeah. My call would be to anybody listening to this podcast, we've got to find a prosecutor who's willing to prosecute this, who has the courage to take on the city of Franklin. Um, I know that a lot of these people, they hang out together, sometimes socially. It's certainly in the work environment. They see each other in the halls of government. But someone has to have the courage because what, what is the title again that this violates so we can help direct them? Uh, title Seven is where the adult entertainment stuff is and where you find the definition of adult cabaret and all okay. that. And then Title 39 is where the, the penalties exist um, for funding and providing the opportunity for these live performances. Yeah, and Gary also broke those down in a um, recent Tennessee Stands email communicated at least to the – the Franklin members, it's all right there before you. It, it would not be a difficult case legally. It would just be a taking um, moral courage, a lot of moral courage, for, again, a prosecutor to take that. And we hope that there's civil penalties that we can uh, pursue. Again, we're, we're waiting for advice on counsel. And most importantly, community uproar. I think the mayor should, his resignation should be demanded. I think the city administrator, Stuckey's, his resignation should be demanded. Otherwise, we're just telling people that, that move here to find a, a safe harbor from California, New York. We're just telling them it's no different here. And we're going to sit and abide by this and live under this. I'm not. And, and I, I want to kind of just mention that too. I'm glad you said that. We have a lot of the word carpetbagger being thrown around, mm -hmm. the uh, don't California, my Tennessee, you know, all these statements. The truth of the matter is, as I've traveled the state for almost two years now doing, you know, all of these events with Tennessee stands, even the events that I'm doing right now as I'm running for state senate, we, we're doing these meet and greets in homes all across the county. You know who I meet? I, I don't want to say more often than not, but it, I mean, at least equally – and I've, so I've met hundreds of them, are Californians. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something about these Californians. They're pissed. They cannot believe that they went through all of the life-altering decisions and job loss and every it, – it's, it's, it's a big deal to, for some, to relocate your family. And to – I was talking to someone a couple nights ago. It's like, you know, I moved to he, – he, this guy moved from New York and uh, – He's like, you know, I never thought I would leave New York City. He said, I, my family and I left every relationship we had, left everything that we knew, left my career, left it all. And he didn't come to anything. Like, he's not really sure exactly how everything is going to settle out for him financially. They just knew they needed to get out of New York. And so you have these people that are making big decisions to come to what they consider the land of freedom so that they can raise their family and what they know of America because they've a, they've given up mm -hmm. on their home, right? California, New York, we lost. So let's go to Tennessee. And they're coming here only to find that the lifelong residents of Tennessee are ignoring the fact that we really don't have a Republican Party that acknowledges our Constitution and that has any interest in defending and protecting liberty. We have a Republican Party that sits on its laurels and does nothing while we have drag queen exactly shows right. in our communities and whatnot. And um, they see it, and they're the ones coming out to all of these events. 
signing up to fight, coming to rallies, emailing and calling their Tennessee legislators saying, hey, in 10 years, you'll be California. Be California, absolutely. Yeah, I, I spoke to a couple of people at that same event, Gary, on Monday, and that sentiment reminded me, because this when I think of sitting on the laurels, and that's exactly what our Republican legislature has done, it's what our Republicans do in local government, it, it's what the leadership of the city by and large does, although this was a step forward, they actually took affirmative action and were involved. Typically, they just let these things happen. It reminded me, when I was chairman of the Williamson County Republican Party between 11, 2011 and 2013, we were tackling a particular matter in the state um, against then-Governor Haslam. And I got a an email from East Tennessee from a Republican who identified himself as a conservative. And he told me, I forget what the issue is, was at the time, but he told me, Kevin, you don't have to worry about that ever becoming a problem here because we have a constitution. <laughs> that was it. He didn't, he didn't see any need to fight as if the piece of paper itself was going to jump in front and defend us. So he didn't have to do anything as if the ideas mean nothing, but it's the piece of paper that's going to protect him. That's what we're dealing with, with our legislature and, and all levels of government who claim to believe what we believe. And they act as if our documents, the pieces of paper, are the things that are doing the fighting for us rather than the people who wrote them, the people who believe them, the people through whom those ideas are expressed by their actions. And so I, I want to say here, too, Gary, it's so appreciate what you've done at Tennessee Stands. I'm always amazed because people, people have begun looping in. When I show up at an event with you, they say, you meaning we. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Gary's done all this. I get to ride on coattails, but it is amazing how many people come to us so grateful for what you've done, giving them a voice, right? Giving a voice to their concerns, giving them a place where they can go and express their frustration. And, and I think that's important. And it lets us know that we've tapped into something that is, it's the heartbeat of Tennessee. Un underneath all the superficiality above um, at the legislature, the government level, what you might see on television and in the community, there is an underpinning and an underflowing current of, of concern and raw energy and emotion about what is happening to their communities. And I think you've tapped into that. Um, now let's get it across the finish line. Mm. I wonder what uh, I wonder what Joe Rogan would think about Tennessee mm. stands. You know, see, and today would have been a paper John, day. yeah, cardboard John. <laughs> if you're not here, and we get Joe Rogan. In place of you, would you be disappointed? Would that have would that have been funny or not that we have Joe Rogan on the day he <laughs> on misses. the day that John isn't here? <laughs> that is a great way to bring it to an end, isn't it? Yeah. A, uh, right. Joe Rogan invitation, as we always do. Thanks, Gary. I hope we did okay with just two of us. Felt a little bit like a two-legged stool instead of a firm three-legged. Yeah, a little wobbly. Yeah. We made it. We made it through. John will be back next time. Welcome back, John. Next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it.